the promise is faultless to stand before the throne, and it's with sadness that I say uh, Ken Reynolds, Command Sergeant Major in Hawaii, passed away, is in his Lord's presence today. Uh, glad he is there, but wish he could still be here for his family. So be praying for the family. They may be watching uh, by way of Facebook or YouTube right now. And if they are, our hearts go out to you, and we hope that God gives comfort that only he can give. For the rest of you here, uh, let's join in a word of prayer for that family, and also for Gordy's family, Mike, who's going through some serious problems uh, along with, uh, I think, his wife as, as well as needs our prayers. Father, as we bow in your presence, we come before you as a needy people. One day we'll stand faultless before the throne because of what Christ did for us. But in this life, we are not faultless. We have problems. We have shortcomings. And Father, we have specific needs. So I pray that you would be with this family, the Reynolds family in particular. <clears throat> I pray you'd be with the greater business family as well, with GMS and those that were affected by Ken. And I pray, God, that, uh, Lord, you would give comfort and peace and consolation. We're so grateful and thankful not only for the opportunity to have memories of those that we've loved who've preceded us, but also, even more precious, the promises that we have, that we can be with them one day again, that we can see them again one day because of what Jesus Christ did for us. Father, I pray your blessings upon each person gathered here this morning and those who are watching by way of the Internet. Lord, we pray the Word of God would go forth soundly and strongly and that, Father, the Holy Spirit would direct it into the innermost resources of our heart, recesses of our hearts, and that we would be found obedient to you and all that you'd have us to do. We pray in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. All right, wait a minute. Before you sit down, turn to someone and say, Hey, I'm glad you're in church today. All right, go ahead. Do that right now. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I'm glad you're in church, Donna. Glad you guys are in church. All right. We're grateful for each and every person who is here this morning. Also, happy for a new praise team member that we have today who is now also a new member of First Baptist Church, Deborah Jasperson. Debbie, would you come and receive your new membership certificate? God bless you. Love you. All right. If you're a first-time guest here at First Baptist Church, we would love for you to do us a favor. And the seat backs in front of you is a connection card that allows us to get to know you and get to know more about you. And uh, we would love to have you fill out your name and contact information, if you would, please. We promise not to abuse or misuse any of that information. We will not sell it. We will not harass you with mail. But uh, go ahead and, and fill that out on the back. If you have prayer requests, if you want to know something about Sunday school, if you want to know something about uh, church membership or baptism or being saved or whatever it is, then go ahead and fill that out. And what do you do with it once you fill it out? You can give it to me, you can give it to my lovely wife, or you can put it in the offering box in the back, in the back which is next to the double doors. Uh, someone was saying, uh, shouldn't we just pass an offering plate around? I said, you know what? Uh, th this, I, I wondered if this was really a Baptist church the first two years I was here because they didn't <laughs> pass offering plates, but uh, it seems to be working okay, and uh, so we're not going to fix it if it's not, if it's not broken, but uh, the offering box is back there for the tithes and the offerings of God's people, and uh, feel free to drop your visitor card in there.
Also want to mention a couple of things coming up this week. Giving your best, giving God your best is the sermon for today. We have a guest uh, that's going to be preaching. We'll introduce him in a little bit. And then at the end of the service, we'll have a brief song, maybe a verse, and we'll give people an opportunity who don't want to be in a, in a business meeting afterwards to, to leave. And then uh, we'll go ahead and have a really short business meeting. Uh, and then we have a SBC estate planning specialist with us, uh, Courtney Coates, and he'll uh, we'll have lunch together if you RSVP'd. If you didn't RSVP, you can still stay. I'll share my lunch with you. <laughs> Begrudgingly, <clears throat> but I will share my lunch with you. Check the bulletin for several Bible studies held throughout the week. Navigators, don't forget you meet here Tuesday night. Uh, Wednesdays, we have, there's a whole slew of them, so please just check that out. The new Revelation study on Thursday night. Uh, you might want to check that one out. New Fridays, uh, Friday mornings, Lady Bible Study. Wednesday morning, Ladies Bible Study. And there's another one that, Nancy, when's yours? Thursday. Okay, they're all in the bulletin. Saturday, this coming Saturday, men's prayer breakfast, 8 a.m., come and help cook, come and help prepare. And then, uh, so be here about 7, 7.15 to help prepare everything. Uh, we'll have that that breakfast then at 8 a.m. Next Sunday, Commitment Sunday. In the bulletin, you will see a commitment card like this. And I want you to take this out and, and prayerfully consider what God would have you do in the way of, of being a faithful manager of the gifts and the talents and the abilities and the, and the blessings that God has given to you. What does God want you to do? I can tell you right now, uh, we have two Sunday school classes for children. Uh, we have people who are in there every week, and that's we're not going to be doing that. So we're either going to have the kids in the service uh, so that the people can be out in the service as well, or we need some volunteers that will help maybe once or twice a month help out in our two kids' classes. So uh, that's one of the big needs we have. Uh, sound booth is always a big need that we have. So uh, Grant's going to be going away unless we can uh, manage to chain him and lock him to the sound booth. <laughs> He's going to be going away later on this year, and uh, so we're going to need some more help there. Children's ministry, praise team, maintenance help, they're all right here. Uh, see what God would have you to do. And then next week, we're going to collect these up. So take this with you and be praying about it. Also, uh, communion next Sunday morning. And last of all, in the way of announcements, if you're interested in a nine-week get-out-of-debt program uh, that is tried, true, proven, uh, then that would be beginning early in March. Please use the communication card, put down uh, get out of debt, or you can just put help. <laughs> if you put help and put your name on, we'll, we'll know what that stands for. We'll know what that means. So uh, we'll plan on that and give you more information later on. Here's my, here's my bulletin article today. We come to the end of our in personal inventory month for 2022. It's been my intent to cause us all to look inward and examine our stewardship the management of our time, talents, and treasures for the next year. We have studied subjects such as committing our time to reading the Word, having prayer, and serving our King. We have talked about the slavery of having debt. We taught about the importance of baptism. And by the way, we baptized five this month, and we're praising the Lord for that. And we have preached on the topic of tithing, partnering with God in our finances. We conclude today with a guest speaker who's going to be talking about giving God our best. His name is Courtney Coates. He's the vice president and chief legal officer of the State Baptist Foundation. He has degrees in history and sociology from UCLA and a doctorate in law from the University of California. I don't. 
Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, he, uh, he has served on the staff of the View Church in Menifee for 14 years, and his purpose in being here today is to encourage us to leave a legacy for the Lord even after we're gone. And that's, uh, that's a concept that my wife and I bought into a couple of decades ago in being faithful not only with what God has given to us while we're here, but even after we're gone, doing something for the kingdom of God. So Courtney will meet with us after lunch for a little while, talking about how to faithfully serve the Lord with our stewardship, even after we're in heaven. Be sure to welcome him and his family. He'll introduce his family in just a, a few minutes. Uh, in addition to the above, I want everyone to be prayerfully to fill out the commitment card for the rest of 2022. Will you please give of your time, perhaps teaching a class, cleaning the church, helping in the office, talents, seeing on priest team, working in the sound booth, greeting folks, and treasure tithes, missions, and building fund the coming year. Please consider what God would have you do and turn the card in e either today or next Sunday. So that's, whew, got all that out of the way. Let's go ahead and stand together. We'll continue to worship our Lord.
Thank you, praise team. Appreciate that so much. Beautiful, beautiful music. You may be seated, and I'm going to ask all the boys and girls to come up here. And I want you to come right over to this place right here, okay? All the boys and girls, got a, I got an opportunity. Now, I'm not going to get to preach to the adults today, so I'm going to do this minute message. It'll probably take about a half hour or so to do the minute message because I got this inside of me wanting to preach thing going on. All right, hop, hop right down to one more step, okay, because I'm going to have to get to this. Yeah, let's go, go step down there, Ellie. Okay, now this is, does anybody know what this is? Candle. It's a candle, sort of, yeah. It's a light. Now, boys and girls, when I was your age, I used to go see my grandma and my, who's, 
I was their age one time. Who's laughing about that? I went to see my grandma and granddad, and guess what? They did not have electricity. How do you play your Xbox? How do you do the computer? Guess what else? They didn't have running water. Guess what, guys, boys, no bathtubs. <laughs> didn't have to take a bath, I thought. And, you know, it was just really, really different back in those days. So this was actually my grandmother and my grandfather's lamp, and they would, they would use this to be able to see in the dark in the nighttime. When it got dark at night, they were up just a little while, then they would go to bed, and then they would get up before literally the chickens even got up about 4.30 in the morning. So chickens, yeah, <laughs> pollo locos and all those guys. Okay, so look, I want you to pay attention to something here. When I got this down, this is very, very delicate, and it's very breakable, but you have to clean this out because it gets soot and dirt in there, and if there's soot and dirt in there, then it doesn't do the light very well. Do you know that, boys and girls, our lives every once in a while accumulate dirt and bad things? And just like physically we have to take a bath and clean up, spiritually we have to take a spiritual bath and clean up by confessing our sins to the Lord and asking us to forgive him, asking him to forgive us. All right, so that's one thing we have to keep clean. Second thing is, inside of here, you know what that is? That's kerosene. And kerosene burns, and so that's what gives the fuel for the lamp. And you and I need fuel. We need fuel physically. That's why we eat breakfast, and that's why we have, uh, we have things to drink to help us feel good uh, and, and keep us hydrated and all that kind of stuff. But it's the Word of God. It's the Word of God in prayer that becomes our fuel in serving the Lord. And then there's another thing that you can't even see that's necessary. Does anybody know what that is? Oxygen. Because a fire can't burn without oxygen. And you know what oxygen is for us who are children of God? Coming together in fellowship and, and getting with each other and encouraging each other. And that's like oxygen. That's so we can really live and live well. And then last of all, this lamp will do no good at all unless it has fire. And guess who the fire is in our lives? That's Jesus and God. And what he does is he touches our life and then we start reflecting his light and we start showing the light of Jesus to those that are around us. And when you turn it up here, if I can get it to turn up, it'll get brighter, I think. There you go. And so, boys and girls, keep your lives clean. Confess your sins to God. Make sure you have fuel. Pray and read your Bible. Make sure there's oxygen. You're in God's house when you're supposed to be in God's house. Oh, you didn't? You did? Good. I don't have a Bible. Well, we'll get you one, all right? And then make sure when Jesus touches your life that you let other people know about him, okay? It's at home. Well, you know what? That's not too far away, so you're in good shape, so... All right, let's all pray, okay? Let's, go, let's go close our eyes, bow our head. Father, we thank you for each boy and each girl that's here today. We pray that you bless them and help their lights to shine for the glory of God. And Father, we pray the same for our moms and dads and adults here in Jesus' name. And all the kids said, amen. amen. All right, go to your classes right over here. All right, right over here. And here's a Bible. Who didn't have a Bible? Who didn't have a Bible? We got one right there.
I think she forgot. I don't know. Okay. You never know. Kids will say who knows what, right? We're so glad to have all of you here today, and I know that uh, our guest is going to be a real blessing. I'm going to ask Courtney if you would come and introduce your family to us right all now. Right. This, would you welcome Courtney Coates? God bless you. Well, God bless all of you. Good morning. It's such a blessing to be with you this morning, all the way from Temecula, California. Came a long way. I came a long way. But uh, it's just a blessing. Thank you, Pastor Jim, for just the warm invitation, and uh, uh, Pat, for your warm invitation. I love churches, and this is an amazing, amazing church. Can you give yourselves a hand? I mean... The warmth and energy that I felt as soon as I hit the door was palpable. And uh, the purpose of the Baptist Foundation of California is simply to raise and manage resources for the kingdom of God, to support local churches just like you. So I want to thank Pastor Jim and for the First Baptist Church of Coronado for your partnership in that effort. I want to introduce some special guests that I have here today. The love of my life of over 22 years, Elizabeth is here with us. Let's put our hands together for Elizabeth. My, my college sweetheart. Then I have my oldest, Jade, who's here. She is, I don't mean to toot her horn, but she, she's an Ivy League grad, went, graduated from Harvard, and she graduated from my nemesis, USC, with her master's. She bought me a coffee cup, which is very bitter to drink. But she's off in the uh, television and film industry doing her, her thing as an adult. And then I have my 15-year-old, uh, Michelle, Shelly, who's here. She is, she is a freshman uh, pole vaulter in high school. She made the varsity pole vault team. I am so proud of her and all that she's done thus far. And then you guys may have seen Corinne, my six-year-old, who's my little blessing from heaven. God has jokes when he spread them all out like that. And she runs the show. She's, she's a kindergartner, and she was uh, here just a little bit. I am um, overwhelmed with gratitude for God's grace and mercy in my life. I don't deserve them, but God reminds me every day of how blessed I am, how grateful I am to be a father, to be a husband, and to love my family. So I just appreciate them for being with me today. We don't deserve anything that God has blessed us with, do we? We owe him a debt of gratitude beyond words. And um, as, as the vice president, chief legal officer of the foundation, I've been able to bridge my profession, which is a licensed attorney, with my ministry of over 20 years of trying to um, uh, allow God to use me and mold me and shape me in a way that pleases him and serves him. Now, what that looks like for me is going to churches like, you, like yours and, and encouraging them to continue to do what they've been doing, and that is support their local church. Continue to allow the light of, 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 the, of, of Christ to, uh, to ignite and incite um, action in them, what does the scripture say? Let your light so shine before men that they might see your uh, good works and glorify who? The Father 
who is in heaven. And so uh, today, if you would just bear with me for a few moments, I'd like to just uh, encourage you to keep on giving. Give God your best. Because he owns an absolute sense absolutely everything. And we own an absolute sense what? Absolutely nothing. If you would bear with me, I'd like to encourage you on how to give, what God stresses and what, what truly impresses God about giving. And out in the back, um, there's some tools that I have for you on the table. There's some giveaways and there's some information for you. But if you would stay after service, I'd like to give you some practical steps and some legal principles that will help you guide your family and how to leave a legacy of giving and how to allow the Lord to really uh, uh, use you in a mighty way to support your local church right here. We love First Baptist Church of Coronado, and thank you, Pastor Jim, for your partnership. You've, you've been great. We've, we handled his trust affairs, and uh, he's modeling for you how to allow the Lord to, 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 to make you a good steward over what he's blessed you with. And so we're going to talk about what that looks like. As, as we explore God's principle of giving, of giving God our best, we must first understand that we cannot possibly outgive God. John 3, 16, you know it. What did Jesus say? For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only begotten son. By giving Jesus, he gave all of himself. For God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. In other words, when he gave Jesus, he gave all of himself to us. Christ was the fullness of God in bodily form. And when God gave Jesus to us, he gave himself wholeheartedly, his very best. And even in this pandemic, even in this, this period of uncertainty and crises around our world, wouldn't you agree that God has been faithful? He's continued to supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory, he continues to renew his mercy day by day in our lives. And if there was ever a need for Jesus and the, the, the love of Jesus to be spread across this world, it'd be now. Pastor Jim has been preaching over the last several weeks in January over stewardship, taking a personal inventory of what the Bible teaches about debt and how we can manage our debt in a way that pleases God. And this word is designed to be a capstone on stewardship by challenging us how to give our very best to God. How many want to make God smile when we give? How many want God to be so impressed by our heart posture when we give to use you as an example for others? And I just want to let you in on a little, little secret. You can lean in on this. God owns it all. He owns our time. He owns our talents and gifts. And he also owns our treasure. Psalm 24, King David said, the earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof, everything in it, the world and all who live in it, our time, our talents, our treasure are some of the most precious commodities. I know I'm a lawyer, right? My time is precious. My time is money, right? But all of our time is valuable. The Apostle Peter put it like this, as each one has received a special gift, employ it 
in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. In other words, we're not owners. We are managers. We're just managing what God has entrusted us with each and every day. And as we surrender our hearts to the Lord more and more, we put God in his proper place. We let him know that he is Lord overall. See, a lot of us, sometimes we want to relegate God to certain areas of our life. Lord, you can be Lord over this, but you know what? I'm going to reserve this unto myself. But as we grow, we will find ourselves more willing to relinquish those most precious things we have to offer God. Our, our transformation to be more like Christ is an endeavor to give and to sacrifice just like Jesus gave and sacrificed for each and every one of us. Not our will, but his will be done. The widow's might narrative is what I want to focus on today. In Mark 12, uh, the widow's might narrative teaches us how to give our very best to God without asking for anything in return. Mark 12 is preceded by Mark 10, the narrative of the rich young ruler. I want to just set some foundation for this text. We remember that narrative, the rich young ruler in Mark 10. Uh, scripture says, good teacher. Jesus, Jesus is being uh, implored by this rich young ruler. Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth up. But looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said to him, one thing you lack. Go and sell all you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But at these words, he was saddened, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus, looking around, said to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus is making a teachable moment here by saying, this man has been exposed. He had done everything else right, but he could not depart from that one thing that he was putting before God. Oftentimes it's said, my brothers and sisters, that the last thing that gets saved when we commit our heart to Christ is our wallet. That's that last stubborn thing that we don't want to relinquish to God because we want to control our money. And so through this discipline of giving, God wants to expose the idols of our hearts. That one thing that we are unwilling to part with in order to put him in his proper place. Following Christ and making him Lord exposes anything and everything that we are um, not willing to put before serving him. You see, giving and serving others to advance the gospel message is the truest essence of our worship. Giving to God with our whole hearts, letting him be Lord over all, is what truly impresses him. It's not the size of the gift, but our heart's posture 
in giving. What is the best gift you can give to God? What is the very best gift you can give to him? Your heart. Today, we examine how God is impressed, not so much by what we give, but our heart's posture by which we give. Because if the heart is right in how we give, then the what will follow. I'll say that again. If the heart is right in how we give, then the what will naturally follow. Our time, our talents, our treasures, we must understand that God is all, always concerned about our heart's posture in doing these things. We see from Mark 12, giving God our best requires three things. Number one, giving our best to God requires that we put our faith into action. Number two, giving our best to God requires that we give sacrificially. And then number three, giving our best to God requires that we give with gratitude for God's grace. Let us pray for a moment as we begin to dissect Mark 12. Father, we say thank you for your loving kindness and your tender mercy. Lord, we pray, God, that you would move as only you can as we, as we impart your word, as we hear your word, as we study your word. Lord, allow your word to penetrate let us have an open mind and open heart to receive what you have for us today. And let us find practical application in how we use your word in our daily lives, God. We love you today, and we thank you for what you're about to do in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if we are missing these key ingredients of faith, sacrifice, and gratitude, we have to understand that we're missing God's best. Let's go to our text in verse 41 of Mark 12. It says, and he, Christ, sat down opposite the treasury at the temple and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. You see, we must first understand that God pays close attention to our giving. After complaining about the Pharisees' hypocrisy and abuse of the widows in verse 38, Christ uses a widow, a poor Jewish widow, as an example of true worship and giving. Christ cares so much that he sat down opposite the treasury in the temple, and he began watching each person, young, old, rich, poor, how they were giving. Jesus cared so much about the heart behind giving, we see that he called the widow's gift to his disciples' attention. Why? Not just for their own edification, but so they could teach and disciple others on this principle of how they should give. This was a teachable moment for his disciples. Could you imagine Pastor Jim during the offering, walking down the aisles as you're filling out your envelopes? Examining your checkbook, <laughs> looking at your wallet, what's inside. You would say, how dare he? How dare Pastor Jim get all in my business? 
What I give to God is between me and my God. I'll never forget being at a conference as a youth. Uh, I think uh, it was getting late, and they were raising the offering. And the preacher had raised an offering for this conference, but they hadn't met their obligations for this hotel. And so he wanted to raise a second offering. And so people began to slowly but surely, gingerly exit the doors. He said, ushers, get the doors. Nobody leave. I turned to my friend, I said, this is not an offering, this is a stick-up. <laughs> but I'm sure Pastor Jim would get a lot of flack if he got so busy in everyone's business about what they're giving. But what the Word of God reminds us in Mark 12, that Jesus is watching intently at what and how we're giving. He knows what's in our bank accounts. He knows how much free and idle time we have. He knows what we're wasting, what we're spending he knows our level of sacrifice, and he knows our heart's posture and how we give. You see, we do know that the Jewish temple had a, a number of things that it was doing during this time. Before the New Testament church was established, before Christ's resurrection, before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we see what was happening in this temple. Let's take a look at this. There were 13 receptacles in the temple shaped like trumpets that comprised the treasury, which was expected to take all of the needs of the church, the temple, including, watch this, including the orphans and the widows. There was no giving online. There was no push pay or texting or PayPal. Trumpets one and two were reserved for the half shekel, which is about 15 cents, temple tribute. They gave money to facilitate sacrifices, animal sacrifices, to atone for sin. The money was stored in the temple treasury and was expended partly in the purchase of daily sacrifices and incense and the payment of the rabbis and other officials connected with the temple. Trumpet three was money for turtle doves for a sin offering. Trumpet four was money for young pigeons. Trumpet five, money for wood used in the temple. Trumpet six, money for incense. Trumpet seven, money for golden vessels used in the ministry. And if a man had put aside a certain sum of sin offering and any money was left over after its purchase, it was cast into trumpets eight through 13 for sin offerings. The vast majority of offerings was designed to atone for our sin. We owe an amazing debt to God for our sins. Understand that the Jews gave money because it was required by Jewish law to purchase and use these sacrifices to receive atonement. Intentional sin, adultery, murder, incest, blasphemy, all of it had to be atoned for. But somebody say, thank God for Jesus. Jesus came as that perfect, sinless lamb who came as a ransom to purchase our salvation. John the Baptist put it like this. He said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Not just my sin, not just your sin, but the sins of the entire world. Hallelujah. Because of Jesus, we no longer have to pay for the church to offer sacrifices of animals, of goats and bullets. Even better, Jesus didn't prioritize or rank our sin, covering some but not others. 
I'm so glad that when Jesus uh, went up on that cross and, and he, he cried out to Telestai on that cross, it is finished. I paid for, my, for your sins in full. Now we don't have to sacrifice uh, bullocks and we don't have to give out of compulsion because it's required. Now we give with a heart of gratitude because God sent his son into this world to take our place on that cross. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, Paul put it like this in 2 Corinthians 9 and 6 and 7. He's, he who sows sparingly also reaps sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Each one must decide, you, me. We must decide based upon our heart's gratitude, our heart's desires for God, our, our longing for God, what we will give. Jesus' full payment for our sins on that cross doesn't mean that we shouldn't give, but what it means is that we have a far better reason to give. Jesus Christ saved us. He saved us from our sin. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he wants us to enthusiastically show our appreciation for him. And the more we know him, the more of ourselves we should want to give to him for his glory. But some of us are going in reverse there's a story that I was reading about a man who was so distraught, he went to his pastor because he was giving. When he first got saved, he was giving and giving and giving. He was making $1,000 a week, and he was giving over to the church. He went to his pastor distraught because he said, Pastor, I, I used to give $1,000 a week to the church, but the more I've, I've, I've been in church, the more I've uh, uh, been spending time in church, I find myself struggling to give. I don't give as much as I used to, and now I'm making even more money than I used to make. Would you, would you pray for me? The pastor said, sure. Lord Jesus, we pray for this brother who's been struggling and giving before. Uh, when he first got saved, he was giving a lot, $1,000 a week, and now he's making more money. He's giving less and less and less. So I pray right now, Lord, that you would just take him back to when he was just making a few dollars. So that he would give more. Pastor, wait, stop, the man said. Don't pray that prayer. I want to continue to make the money that I was making. You see, many of us, like that man, are going in reverse. We, the more uh, comfortable we get in church, the more comfortable we get with the routine of serving, we become lackadaisical and complacent in our giving. We lose our capacity to give. It becomes a, a mundane thing a robotic thing, but God wants our heart to remain soft towards him in how we give. Christ is looking to see if we're giving with the right heart. The scripture says, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19 through 21, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth or rust destroy or where thieves break in and steal. But 
Store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy or thieves break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's a direct correlation between our heart posture and our level of giving. And when we, are, when we are able to give our treasure instead of keeping things for ourselves, it shows that our heart isn't so tied to our money. So what we learn from Mark 12 is how to give, but we also learn, but we also learn about what uh, 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 giving to God does not look like. We, we learn what best, get, best giving is not in the eyes of God. What, what does it say here in Mark 12, 41? It says they were... Uh, Jesus observed them giving money, putting money in the treasure, and many, it says, rich people were putting in large sums. They were giving large sums of money. But this didn't impress God. You can give God all you want, but if you're not giving with the right heart posture, he's not impressed. He wants to know where your heart is. Why were they giving large sums? We know this because Jesus admonished the Pharisees and admonished those who were giving large sums in Matthew 6, verses 1 through 2. It says, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, he says, do not sound a trumpet. There it is. Do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets so that they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. He's admonishing them in Matthew, saying don't just prance around in the church and give large sums and uh, sound these trumpets to draw attention to yourself. They were giving not to please God, not to worship him in spirit and in truth, but they were giving for public recognition. See, a lot of times we serve and we give for the wrong reasons. Reputation, image are idols that we can put before God. Giving our best to, to God does not seek public recognition. Godly giving is humble, is reverent, and is designed only to bring glory to him. When we give for recognition, our reward is that attention that we're seeking, that pat on the back, that name recognition. None of these things are Christ-honoring. God wants us to give because we love him, because we're grateful for what he's done in our lives. Let's, let's dissect these three points here. Godly giving, giving God our best, requires that we put our faith into action. This widow was giving because she had faith in God's word that the temple would take care of her. You see, Jew, Jewish widows were already taken care of. There was no requirement for them to give. She was, and, 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 and there was even abuse going on in this time where, where the, the, the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders were not doing what they were supposed to do in taking care of the widows and the orphans. And Jesus admonished them about that. 
But this woman did not allow what was happening to her to shift her faith, to, 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 to idle or to, to deter her from giving as God led her to give. She wanted to give because she had faith in God that there was more where that came from. She was giving to the source that was already providing to her. She gave because she was full of faith that God would take, of, take care of her no matter what. True giving is a faith venture. That's what I want to get you to understand today. It is to believe in our heart that God will take care of us no matter what. What is faith? Faith is, says in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That thing that you're hoping for, faith is the substitute that you can stand on to see it come into fruition. And the, the base of faith uh, depends upon the worthiness of the object of your faith. You can believe and have faith in the tooth fairy all you want, right? You can believe and have faith in Santa Claus all you want. But you'll be very disappointed for your eternity if you do that. You put your faith in Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You can take that to the bank. You know that he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And with him, your eternity is secure. Somebody say amen. You see, the widow just didn't deposit those two mites, those two small coins in the treasury. She also deposited an enormous amount of faith. So you have to understand, if you're not accompanying your gift with faith, then you're not giving God your best. If, if what you're giving doesn't require you to have faith in God, that he's going to do what he says he said, he is, said he's going to do, that he is who he says he is, then you might as well keep your gift because you're not impressing God by your gift. It's not the might, it's not the dollar, it's not the Benjamin, the Jackson, or Jefferson. Faith in God is what God's currency is. Faith is the currency of God's economy. God deals according with our faith. To be clear, you don't need money to give. You can give other things. And there's some things more valuable than money. God doesn't care so much about your money. He doesn't need your money. A cattle upon a thousand hills belongs to him. But we have something more valuable than money that we can give and share with others. We have the faith in Jesus. We have the gospel message. I'm reminded of Peter in Acts, in Acts 3, Peter and John, who were walking by, in this, by this lame man at the gate called Beautiful. And so many people have been walking by this man. He had been lame for 40 years. And nobody was giving him what he needed. He would beg for alms and beg for money. And they would get, throw money at him and throw alms at him. But no one would give him what he truly needed. It says here in Acts that Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer, and a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, look at us, and he began to give them his attention. And he's expecting, this lame man expecting to receive money. 
and he began to give them attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, and this is very clear and very impressive upon uh, us here, Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, rise up and walk. You see, this man didn't have, Peter said, I don't have money to give you. I know you're looking for money, but I, don't, I have something more valuable than money. We all have something more valuable to give, and that is the name of Jesus. We can share the name of Jesus anywhere we go, every time. And God wants us to be good stewards, not only of our money, but the faith that couples with our money. That faith, that testimony, that God is who he says he is, and God can do what he says he can do. Peter says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I'm willing to share it with you. You see, my brothers and sisters, we have to understand that faith must put, be put into action. Faith is not a noun. Faith is a verb. Faith must be acted upon in order to impress God. And so it is faith that gets Jesus' attention. It is faith that causes his divine power to activate in our lives. By faith, we can give unto the Lord, knowing that he, he will take care of us no matter what. If we give, it shall be given back to us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. The second thing we can see here is that giving God our best requires that we give sacrificially. This poor widow says, put in more than all the contributors to the treasury, for they all put in out of their surplus. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she owned. What we see here is that this widow was modeling just what God had done for each and every one of us. Jesus was not impressed by the size of her gift, but he was impressed by the sacrifice by which she gave. She knew that this woman in her poverty was giving up all that she had, even though it was not required of her. In the same way, you see, God sacrificially gave to us. Even though he was not required to give us anything, we were separated from him. We were alienated from his promises. But God, who is rich in what? God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love for us, by which he loved us, he lowered himself. He came down to see about us, and he gave his only begotten son, his only son, that one thing that he had no more of. I mean, I'm so glad that God didn't withhold Jesus. I mean, God could have said, look, I'll give you the abundance of this world, the wealth, the popularity, the spheres of influence. You can have it all. But I'm just going to keep my son for myself. Would you take that deal? Would you take that deal? Absolutely not. Because the scripture says, what shall it profit to gain this whole world but lose your soul? If I didn't have Jesus, I, I might have wealth and popularity and spheres of influence, but I still would be eternally lost and separated from the true and living God. I would have no hope. This woman 
sacrificed her last, and God was impressed. Jesus was impressed by it because it modeled just how much he gave for each and every one of us. This third point, third and final point, giving God our best requires that we show gratitude for God's grace. This widow didn't give out of compulsion or, or vanity, but she gave out of gratitude because this temple was her source that was always providing for her. And she was grateful to give to the very thing that was already providing for her. She knew that she would be taken care of, and she was unique, uniquely positioned because she was a, a, a Jewish widow to be, be taken care of. She was positioned to receive the benefits of the temple. She was uniquely, uniquely positioned, unlike anyone else, to continue to draw from the wealth of the temple and to receive that which was going to be provided for her on a daily basis. She had benefits because of her status with God. God, in his law, provided for her. And in the same way, God, in his law, and his economy, provides for each and every one of us. We, just like this widow, are uniquely positioned to receive the blessings from God each and every day. King David put it like this in uh, Psalms 84 and 11. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. He said, I, the scripture says, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered to the hearts of men the things that I prepared for those whom I love. Because of our position in God, God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God shall provide all of our needs according to his riches in glory. And because of that, we should have a heart of gratitude that he's always going to be there for us time and time again. We should have gratitude because while we were sinners, while we we're yet sinners, he died for us. And we owe him a debt of gratitude. Because he forgave us. And the greater the forgiveness, the greater the forgiveness, the greater the, the gratitude we should have. I, um, there's a hotel that I, re that I represented for many years. The family, small family, they, they have hotels in Los Angeles, and they always allow me to have free hotel stays. Whenever I come into Los Angeles, I have to work. They say, you can stay here for free. You see, back in 2008, I represented these hotels. They're in some major trouble. Uh, they were gonna, someone was suing them, and they were going to try to get them shut down, and they were never going to be able to operate again. So I defended these hotels in state court and federal court, and we were able to defend these cases successfully and victoriously. And this enormous debt, this enormous liability that they had hovering over them, they could walk away from free and clear. They didn't have to pay anything. They said, so Courtney, if you ever need to stay in our hotel, you can stay there for free. And I took them up on their offer a few times. I said, you know, I'm starting to feel kind of guilty here, <laughs> staying in this hotel for free. So can I just give you something? And they looked at me so, so seriously and intently said, Courtney, if it had not been for your service, we wouldn't have this hotel. We wouldn't have these hotels. We would be in another business. And so please accept this as a token of our gratitude for what you've done, what you, what you helped us with. 
And I thought about that. That really resonated for me. The greater the debt, the greater the gratitude. The greater the debt, the greater the debt. I don't know about you, but I was a knucklehead. <laughs> I was disobedient growing up. And even sometimes now, I'm a little bit disobedient. Don't say anything, honey. <laughs> I don't always get it right. I don't always have all the answers. I thank God for looking beyond my faults, looking beyond my shortcomings, and seeing my need for him. Amen. I'm reminded, I'm reminded of when Jesus had invited this prostitute, this, this, uh, this woman uh, to Simon the Pharisee's house. And Jesus was uh, trying to make a point with Simon the Pharisee and those Pharisees that were looking down on this woman. And this woman who should not have been invited, you know, because she was not part of that circle, Jesus invited her into this house. And she being so um, grateful for being forgiven by Jesus, so grateful for being in his presence. She began to weep uncontrollably over Jesus' feet. And she was embarrassed that she was weeping so uncontrollably. She let her hair down. She began to wipe Jesus' feet with her hair. And she took out this expensive perfume and began to anoint his feet, uncontrollably weeping over him. And Jesus could sense that the Pharisees were looking kind of, uh, they were distraught over this. They were so judgmental of this woman. And he could discern you know, that he was looking down on this woman, that if, if he knew the sins that this woman had committed, he would not have invited her to be in his presence. Jesus discerning this, he used the parable of the two debtors. I like to read this into your hearing. I think it sheds light on this sense of gratitude, this point of gratitude that we should have. He says in Luke 7 and 40, 41 and 42, a moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which one of them, which of them will love him more? He asked Simon. Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who, who he forgave more. And he said to him, you have judged correctly. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. You see, Jesus replied, I know her sins are many. She may be a mess, but she's my mess. I know her sins are many, but 
She knows and appreciates that I've forgiven them all. You don't recognize who I am, Simon, and therefore you don't understand that I've forgiven all of your sins. The greater the sin, the greater the gratitude. When I entered your house, you didn't kiss me. You didn't weep. You didn't anoint my feet because you have no appreciation for who I am. Unlike you, this woman knows exactly who I am, that I have the power and capacity to forgive her sins and wipe away her record. You see, my brothers and sisters, just like this, this woman, we should be willing to lavish upon God everything that we have. Lavish, lavish upon him our wealth, our time, our talents. We should be willing to give him everything. Why? Because we have a debt of gratitude for what he's done. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea, he heard my despairing cry, and from the waters he lifted me, now safe. Am I? Aren't you glad what God has done in your life? Think about just how messed up you were. Think about the, the times that you fell short. Think about the times that you, that you wish you could have that time back and redeem that time. But God, who is rich in mercy, he covers a multitude of faults, a multitude of sins. And because of his mercy, we are standing here today. Because of his grace, we stand saved full of life and that more abundantly, full of, 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 of that light that Pastor Jim was talking about, that light that, that so shines in this world that men and women can see where we came. We're not what we used to be, but thank God we're standing as a new creation. For there is no condemnation, right, for those who are in Christ. I'm so glad that we have the opportunity to, to lavish upon God all that we have, to put him in his proper place, to let him know that he is God, and beside him there is none other. It's not the, the wealth, it's not popularity, it's not the job, it's not the relationship, but it's he and he alone that deserves all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Let us pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your grace, your abundant, amazing grace that continues to overtake us time and time again. As we go about life, as we uh, uh, go about our business and raising our families and working and providing and uh, cultivating relationships, let us not lose sight of what you're calling for. Oh God, let our calling and election be made sure in our heart's posture in giving. Lord, let it not be about us, but let it be all about you. Let us give with faith, knowing that you're going to take care of us no matter what. Let it be, God, about a, a, a sacrifice, modeling just how you've sacrificed for us, and let it be about, God, gratitude, gratefulness in what you've done, in sending your son to die for us. 
while we were yet sinners, God. You canceled our debt. You paid for our sins in full so we, we may walk in the newness of life. Lord, we love you more than anything, and we thank you for the opportunity to give you our best by giving you our whole heart. Lord, I pray for those under the sound of my voice who have not given their heart to you. Let this word resonate now, God, as Pastor Jim comes at this time to extend the invitation. Lord, I pray, God, that you would allow this word to resonate in those hearts of those who do not know you, that you have offered them a free gift, the gift of salvation, that if they confess Jesus as Lord, confess him with their mouth and believe in their heart that God has raised him from the dead, just like, just that quickly, they will cross over from death into life. Lord, we thank you and we love you for your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Thank you, Courtney. Thank you so much. That's probably the best lawyer I've ever heard in my life, huh? Do you have faith in his Savior? Do you have faith in the Son of God? Do you realize because of Jesus' sacrifice, we can have eternal life? And so because of that, we ought to show our gratitude by giving ourselves completely to him. Let's stand together as we sing a couple of verses of invitation. I'm going to ask you to come and do what God wants you to do. If he wants you to come surrender your life and receive Christ as your Savior, we'll be glad to have a word of prayer with you and show you how you can be a born-again child of God before you leave today. If you want to be a member, if you want to present yourself as a candidate for baptism, whatever it is God's dealing with you about, maybe it's this commitment card. Maybe it's giving of your time, your talents, your treasures. You come ahead. Whatever we can do to help, we're here as we sing together. Come on. Every head bowed just for a moment. Every head bowed. The whole theme of the month, the whole theme of the message today is to give our very best to the Lord. How many of you say, Preacher, I'm praying about giving my very best time, talent, treasure. I'm praying about that. Would you raise your hands up high? Hold it up high if you're praying about that. You're sincere about it. God bless you. Hands all over the auditorium. Father, we pray your blessings upon each one who's raised their hand. Father, upon those who perhaps need Christ as our Savior, Lord, we ask that you would help us to give our very best to you, to give ourselves to you, because you gave your very best to us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's what we're going to do now. I'm going to take just a real short break. Uh, music, and we're going to have a song or two. We're going to have a very short business meeting. I promise you it's going to be short. So if you're not a member and not interested, then you go ahead and feel free to leave. The rest of you continue to sing for just a moment while we take a break. So go ahead and lead us in your song.